All right, if you would, turn with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter 6. book of Ephesians, chapter 6. I want to ask you today, are you prepared for the battle? Are you wearing the divine armor that's been given unto you? Let's look at Ephesians, chapter 6, <clears throat> verses 10 through 17. Ephesians, chapter 6, verses 10 through 17. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be well able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand therefore having waste with truth breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation or to the spirit, which is the word of God. But today we're focusing mainly on the one verse, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts or arrows of the evil one. So we've been looking at the divine armor we've been given in, in Jesus Christ, and, and we've looked at ensuring, one, the first one, to wear the belt of truth. We need to put on the belt of truth, make sure we have that on every day. Because our enemy, Satan and his forces, they're what? They're liars. They love to work through deception. How do you counteract deception? What? Through the truth, the belt of truth, knowing the word of God, applying it to your life, and also living lives of truth as well. Also, it next talked about having the breastplate of righteousness on. The righteousness that makes us acceptable before God is not what our righteousness, it's the righteousness imputed through Jesus Christ when we trusted him as Lord and Savior. Trusting in that righteousness and that righteousness alone, and yet in response to that, start to live righteous lives. And then we talked about next, we talked about what? Your feet fitted with the readiness that comes with the gospel of peace. That what we're to stand on the foundation of the gospel of peace. That we now have peace with God and therefore we also have the peace of God. To be able to handle all the circumstances that come our way. And on top of that, making sure we are out spreading the gospel of peace to set people free from the hold of Satan in their lives. Now as we start getting into the next piece of armor... We're going to look at that in verse 16. It starts off saying, above all, put on the shield, take up the shield of faith. That seems to suggest, it seems to suggest that this is greater than the others. Above all, we need to what? Take up the shield of faith. That's not a great translation. That's not a great, great because what? All the armor pieces are, are, you know, really, really vitally important. It's not more important than the others. I really believe a better translation would be in addition to or in all circumstances, we're to take up the shield of faith. You may not remember, or maybe you weren't here when we started this series. Uh, the first piece, three pieces of armor, it says having, having, having what? Own the belt of truth. Having owned the breastplate of righteousness, having your feet fitted. And now we switch over after the first three pieces, it says take, taking, taking the shield of faith, and then also taking the sword of the spirit and so forth. And what's the difference? Why the shift? Why the shift? Because the other first three pieces you're to have on all the time, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, and then also your feet ready. And, uh, but then other parts you'll take up when the battle starts. 
I'll give you an example. You're in camp and you're a soldier and you're walking around with one of these Roman soldiers and, and you're sitting there and, and uh, you'll have the breastplate of righteousness on. You'll, you'll have, that, you'll have the, uh, the, your, your waistband on and you'll have your, your feet and your shoes on. But you're not going to carry your, what, your shield around and your sword the whole time you're in camp. You know, when the battle's not raging, you're going to be sitting there. How are you going to eat if you're holding that the whole time? You know, you have to just lay it down and so forth. You'll pick it up when the battle starts, amen? So we're getting into that part, those things we take up when the battle begins. Now, we have said that Paul is in prison, and he's sitting there with Roman soldiers around him. And he's sitting there looking, out. Yeah, I've got a sermon here. You look at all the different pieces of the equipment that they have. And, uh, and one of them, he looks at the shield. And the shields, uh, they were like four feet tall, four, four, four and a half feet tall and two and a half feet wide. And it could be very protective what, when those arrows come coming in. In fact, I think we have a picture of what can happen in terms of protection even with these shields. These were big shields that they had. Sometimes you'll see in some movies with the Roman soldiers, these little smaller shields. No, these were big shields, kind of like doors that could really protect you from arrows that were coming in. And uh, we see back in the time, he showed me some of those arrows that could be coming in in droves, these arrows coming in. And he really needed protection from these. A Roman historian described it this way. These shields were made of two planks glued together, the outer surface being then covered with canvas and then a calfskin. And then the upper and lower rims what had iron protecting it because if you had a what? A sword coming down, instead of splitting the shield, the iron ridge, the rim would protect it from splitting. The historian Joseph have said, avoid the multitude of the enemy's missiles. They should bend down on their knees, cover themselves with their shields, so they should retreat a little backwards till all the archers should have emptied their quivers. <coughs> now, so we see how important it is to have this shield in battle for a soldier. And uh, in our spiritual battle, what is called the shield of faith. The shield of faith. In other words, the shield that protects you is what? In this battle is your faith. Your faith in what? Your faith in the what? The character of God, the character of God and his word, total confidence in this awesome God that we have. That's your shield in times of these arrows coming in. It's good to look back at another passage to kind of help understand things. And, uh, and we look back earlier in this letter to the Ephesians, Ephesians 3, 16 and 17. This helps us. It says that he would grant you, God would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through what? Through faith. That you being rooted and grounded in love and so forth. It's through faith that you can experience what the empowerment and strength of God himself. As one said, it is his controlling presence over our attitudes and conduct as we trust him. Let's just give an example. Let's say Ray, you get angry, angry at somebody. And, uh, and hopefully it's not your spouse. But let's say you get angry at somebody and, and maybe rage starts coming up. And what do they tell you to do just naturally? So maybe you need to count to 10 before you react. That's a natural way. Instead, uh-uh. Go to the empowering, empowering presence of the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. Look in faith in him. Say, Lord, you help me in this situation. Lord, you're controlling presence and help me not to act in a way I should not act, but instead handle it in a Christ-like manner. The, uh, and also, you know, if you allow anger to you know, simmer, what does it say in Ephesians 4.26? Be angry, do not sin, do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Nor give what? 
place to the devil. The Lord enables us to overcome this, what that stronghold we can have of anger. People allow that in their lives. You know, whether it's anger, fear, worry, pride, and so forth, not letting these control us, but looking to Jesus for his enablement to overcome in these areas. Also in those days, there was a lot of emphasis on the magic arts. Yeah, people in those days, in the ancient days, would try to get spirits to do their bidding through incantations and formulas and all these different types of things. And instead, we see here the Christian, this power comes through simple faith in the amazing God that we have. A simple faith based on our union with the resurrected Savior, Jesus Christ. It points back to Ephesians 6.10, which says, Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Now, with faith in the Lord, it doesn't say you can have power. It says you will have power. And it's not to quench some of the darts, or many, but all the fiery darts or arrows of the evil one. Now imagine these arrows coming in, how frightening with them. Oh, just droves of arrows come in. But imagine if they're all on fire, how threatening that could be, how intimidating that can be, and doing more damage as well. Now how would these arrows be extinguished? Well, what they'd hit the shield and that canvas, that, that, uh, cow, that, that calf hide that could help douse it out, you know, cause it to extinguish. But also, especially if they dipped it in water beforehand, it could help extinguish those fiery arrows. Now, remember the real enemy. For the Ephesians would not be, you know, the real enemy was not the Romans. Yes, they were in charge. It was their empire and they were oppressive. But Paul wanted them to know and for us to know the real enemy is behind the scenes. That's who? Satan and his forces. Ephesians 6.12 tells us this. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, against one another, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly realms. We know that to be what? Satan and his forces. However, it's interesting. If you look in the history, and you always want to look at context and the scene and so forth, what's going on at that time. The Ephesians and, and other people in the ancient times, they would what, be involved in cults, be involved in cults with the goddesses and the supposed gods. You had Apollo. And in this area, you also had Artemis, a goddess called Artemis. And, uh, and she had a certain weapon that she was known for. And guess what that weapon happened to be? A bow and an arrow. Isn't that interesting? A bow and an arrow. In fact, it had an inscription during those times that they had that you can see an inscription from way back then. It said, the goddess with the golden quiver, the shooter of arrows, the straight shooting one. And the last line of the inscription says, if you do not fulfill the prescribed, that the right prescribed by Apollo, you will pay the penalty of fire as well. So imagine in these days, these people that you know, worship the supposed goddess Artemis. And, and so they're, Man, they're scared not to do what she tells them to do. Very because of what those fiery arrows may come in if they don't do it. These ones that now have forsaken Artemis, worshiping her, and now worship the one true God, they don't have what Paul's telling them, you don't have to be concerned, amen. You don't have to be concerned at all. Why? The shield of faith will protect you from those fiery arrows that come in. Now, some of you think, well, Pastor. They really didn't need protection because there was no such thing as a goddess Artemis. It was all in their minds. I agree. However, there was something behind Artemis. And what was that? Satan and his forces. The demonic realm is always behind some type of whatever that cult will be. You'll see that. Those forces will be there. Now, 
Question is, for us today, though, practically, what does this mean, these fiery arrows coming in from Satan and his forces in our lives? As a Christian, they will come in. And hopefully you're realizing that. Hopefully you're right. What does that really mean? Well, the church father's origin and Jerome pointed to these being evil thoughts interjected into the Christian's mind. Uh, these fiery arrows definitely included these evil thoughts, but it could be certain things such as accusations, accusations, accusing you when you're not even guilty of something. Uh, the devil's called the accuser of the brethren. And uh, just this past week, I encountered that in a very minor way. Uh, and that's on the way home from church. I was sitting there and, and I said I was going to do something and, and, uh, and then I got started convicted that I didn't do it. And I said, well, I know I did do it. And I didn't honor what I said I was going to, and, and I was like going back and forth. And I know I did it, <laughs> but it's like I was being harassed. And I said, no, I know what the devil's doing now. No, I know I did it and I'm okay. But he'll try to mess with you. And it can get really, really serious like this. I always remember an example that I heard uh, of a pastor in the area. Uh, his son uh, left faith in a sense and went and got in a very involved in a very immoral lifestyle, very very immoral lifestyle. And uh, but praise God, came back to the Lord after a number of years. But when he came back, uh, he, you know, you come back, you've total forgiveness. He's, he's following the Lord, but he couldn't forgive himself. And he just kept listening to the devil. And the devil would beat him up and beat him up. And he just couldn't believe that he did what he did for that period of time. And he just couldn't get over it. And sadly, guess what? Ended up killing himself. Ended up killing himself. And that's what the devil will do. He'll condemn, condemn, condemn. Try to drive you to the point of maybe even destroying yourself. Uh, now, uh, let me tell you. In fact, let me warn you on this. When we do wrong, we should be convicted. Amen. Amen. If you're Christian today, you should get convicted when you do wrong. But God convicts. In other words, he awakens you to what you do and what. If you fall into sin, he wants to get you up and get you on the right track. Amen. That's what he's all about. He loves you. He wants to get you up, get you on the right track. What does the devil want you to do when you sin? Beat you up, condemn you to the point you get discouraged and just want to give up and maybe even get to the point like that pastor's son. He wants to condemn you. There's no condemnation. In fact, Romans 8, 1, for us who are truly saved, Romans 8, 1, there's therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. All right, these fiery arrows also can point to temptations coming our way that can inflame our lust. That can inflame our lust. Uh, and it doesn't take much sometimes. You know, these TV these days, the TV and, and the, what you can see on the Internet and all these different things. Wow, is there a bunch of junk. And, it, you know, just stuff coming in that imagine 50 years ago, there's no way you could imagine what's on TV, just regular TV these days. And with the sensuality and different things, it can inflame people's lust. And it does. I mean, now who's behind that? Yeah, I agree the media and I understand the world and trying to make money off of that. But I guarantee you behind the scenes is Satan and his forces. What? Getting in through that to inflame the lust of including many Christians who kind of just sit there in neutral and watch that and wonder why they're having trouble with their thought processes because that they love that. And that's how they get into your mind. Materialism, where you're seeing all this advertising of what you could have and it'll make you happy and all these different things, seeing all these people going into debt to get all this stuff. Buy stuff they can't afford and what? Saying, I got to have this and got to. And let me tell you, and it kind of inflames that lust when you're seeing all this stuff. And Satan will sit there and try to help justify why you need to do it, why you need to get involved. Maybe they'll say, well, my neighbor's doing all this. They seem to be okay. They seem to be fine. And then what? You need to take up the shield of faith. Amen. 
It says what? The Ten Commandments, don't what? covet your neighbor, whatever they have. Whether it's their spouse, whether it's their house, whatever it may be, don't you covet them. Also what? You be satisfied with what the Lord gives you, amen? Be satisfied with him that he will give you what is best instead. And let me tell you, when that lust, when, when that thing, it, it can get strong. That, that desire can get strong. And you can start justifying that desire that you have. You know, God wants me to be happy. And so, you know, I, you know, I know, I know I shouldn't, but, you know, I do have these desires. And again, everybody else seems to be doing it. They seem to be kind of getting over. He'll, he'll do so all, throw all sorts of stuff at you, trying to help you to justify getting into some type of sin. And let me tell you, those urges can be strong, very strong. I always remember a buddy of mine from years ago, working with Andy Cooper. This was many years ago. And we were talking one day, and he talked about, you know, we was, he was married, and, and uh, we were talking about marriage and this and that. And, and it's talking about a lot of guys, you know, will still struggle with, you know, lust, even somebody, you know, being attracted to those that aren't their spouse and struggle with thoughts that they shouldn't have and, and so forth. And he said, you know, he said, I don't struggle with that that much. He said, you know, my wife, you know, we, we have a good relationship, but the main reason, he said, you know, I'm so involved with sports, you know, I really don't have time. You know, if I'm not working, not with my wife, I'm just playing sports. So I don't have to worry about that that much. I said, well, amen. But because of that, he didn't protect himself. One night he went out for his church, just another church, and he went out visiting. And he's out visiting, and he didn't take anybody with him. He just went by himself visiting and ends up visiting some young lady that happened to be by herself. Just so happened she ended up being by herself. And she put the move on him big time when he was there. And he said, he who usually didn't have trouble with this, all of a sudden he had the strongest urge to go ahead and what? Give in to this temptation big time. Praise God, he ran. I think he kind of just ran out of the house. But these urges can be strong, so we have to be very, very careful on these things. These arrows could also include false teachings by those who profess to be Christian teachers. Be careful. There's a lot of wonderful Christian teachers, radio, TV, internet, all that. There's some wonderful ones out there. Amen. Awesome. And I encourage you to listen to them. There's some really good ones. But there's some what? Ones that ain't so good, and there's ones that are horrible. Amen. Be careful. The prosperity teachers, and there's a lot of them out there, stay away from them like the plague. Amen. Stay away from prosperity teachers. As my seminary professor said, it's the doctrine of demons. Amen. Stay away from prosperity teachers. That's what those errors that come in and lead you astray. It can be these fiery errors, could be fiery trials, sicknesses that you're going through. Going through those trials. And then you're going through these trials and, and the trials keep coming. They keep coming one after another. And then what? They keep lasting. They keep going on. This trial, this trial. And you keep, man, it looks like it's going to end and it doesn't. It gets worse. And then what? Doubts come in. These, these errors of doubt come in. Lord, what's going on? Where are you at? What's going on? Lord, if you love me, why am I going through this? And if he really loved you, why wouldn't he come through? And I've been praying and I've been seeking the Lord. What's going on? Maybe I've done something. Am I ever really truly saved? Does God exist? All these doubts can start coming into people. Be careful. The fiery arrows of the evil ones where the shield of faith needs to come up. That God's a good God. And he's with you every step of the way. Not to take away everything, but he'll enable you to endure as you go through it. Let me tell you, I guarantee you, number of people in here, or plagued with worry. It's all over the place. It's all over the place. Christians as well. Plagued by worry. And those darts that come in. What ifs? Nobody about the what ifs? What if this happens? Or what if that happens? 
What if this happens? What if that happens? These arrows that keep coming in, fire, and if they lodge, what it, it consumes you with worry and robs you of what? The joy of the Lord. And the joy of the Lord is your strength, amen? So you're robbed of your strength with all these worries that are coming in. And what do you do instead? You take up the shield of faith and you apply scripture, apply God's word where it says what? Worry about nothing, amen? Worry about nothing but everything. You take it to the Lord in prayer. Go into the one. Take refuge in him. Go to him and ask for his help. And then it says, with thanksgiving. That's where the faith comes in. And you say, Lord, thank you. I don't see it, but Lord, thank you in advance. What you're going to do, that you're going to help me through this situation. Lord, you're going to show me my part in it. And Lord, I thank you in advance. You're going to cause good, according to Romans 28, to come out of it. And start praising him and thanking him. Take up that shield of faith. And you know what happened that says after that? The peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ. But that's you taking up the shield of faith, amen. You are the one that has to take up that shield of faith. And don't allow, and I guarantee you, there's people in here, you're allowing worry to continue to plague you and it sits there and penetrates you and you're not the witness you could be for Jesus Christ. You're not enjoying that abundant life you can have in Christ Jesus. Do not allow it to continue to rob you of the life Jesus came to die to give you. It happens all the time. I see it all the time. When these fiery darts come, go to God as your refuge. He is your ever-present help in trouble. Whenever there's divisions in the church, who's at work? The devil and the demons. Guarantee. And there's a lot of divisions in the church. I said it. The devil knows a house divided itself will not stand. So it causes divisions in the church. People disagreeing with each other. And, uh, and then the devil will plant a little seed. Like, you know, look what they did. Look what they did to you. And, and start saying, well, I bet they did this because of that. And start questioning their motives. Like, we can figure out people's motives. You know, and sitting there and going to pit one against another and starting to stir them up and throwing these errors in their mind about, look at what they're doing and this and that. You need to do this and come at them this way and, and stirring everything up. And he's really crafty in how he does that. Very, very crafty. I always remember years ago, and we've had a number of times through the history of, since I've been here 23 years, where there's been some division at times. And, uh, but I remember one particular time, uh, there was an issue that happened and we got the leaders together and we were praying and seeking the Lord how to handle the issue because it caused quite a stir. And we were meeting and brought somebody on outside, uh, you know, as well, just to make sure everything's above board, that everybody respected to make sure we were really looking at it right and everything else. And even after doing all that, people would what? I bet they're doing this because of that and this and that. And I heard all these things. We were accused of doing things wrong. And I sat there and guess what? None of them were right. <laughs> None of them. But people, they want, the, the devil was planting these things in people's minds. I know their motives are this. I know they're doing this. And all of it, the devil's crafty at that. Be careful on that. Whenever you start thinking, I bet they're doing this because of that. Be careful. You don't know their motives. You don't know their motives. And very often, most often, you are. Loves to get you to go down those trails. Be careful on that. Now, who interferes when you're sitting down to read the Bible? And all these thoughts, distractions come. Kneeling down to pray, these distractions come. Uh, you know, you're sitting there and, you're, and you, then you get up from off your knees from praying and, and you go and start watching the news or something, eating breakfast, and, and look, there's no distractions. Wonder why those distractions beforehand when you're on your knees seeking to pray. Wonder why those distractions were there. Imagine you're in prayer and all of a sudden a, a, an evil thought comes. Maybe a wicked thought. You're like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. You know, where did that even come from? And you're like, and then you start beating yourself. How can I even have a thought like that when I'm in prayer? You know, how can I be saved and really have a thought like that? You know, well, 
and I'm telling you, these thoughts can come in. It's not always your necessarily your thoughts. In fact, let me tell you, the devil's crafty. The devil's crafty. He can send a thought your way and beat you up for having the thought. That's how he is. Amen. He sends a thought your way and then beats you up for having that thought. Maybe it'll help us. In history, as shown, recorded, the devil has plagued some of the greatest saints in history has plagued some of the greatest saints in history with horrible doubts, wicked thoughts, even blasphemous thoughts about Jesus. So they can send horrible thoughts your way and then beat you up for having that. Don't let him do that. You reject him in the name of Jesus Christ and move on and start praising God. There may be a lull in the battle at times that we're going through because we're always in a battle. And at times they may kind of pull back. They may not shoot any errors your way for a time. And praise God for those times. However, they can then be setting you up what? Kind of get, well, I'm kind of above this now. I've kind of gotten everything, my Christian life, man, I'm above the kind of fray in this battle. And all of a sudden, then they come at you all at once. And you go, wait a minute, oh my gosh, and then it takes you by surprise. I don't know if I mentioned it a couple weeks ago, but I've seen that a lot, uh, a number of times with the guys at Change Lives Ministries, uh, getting off drugs and alcohol, is they'll go through that course 12 weeks, and at most, if they don't know Jesus, come to know Jesus by far. Uh, they'll get on fire for the Lord. Man, they're getting strong in the Lord. And the, man, they're just on fire. They're, they're in a protected environment and everything's going great. And they train them what to do when they get out. And they get out and maybe for a while things are going good. And, and they're kind of like, man, I've kind of got this down. I'm not even feeling that tempted. And, and then, man, there's, man, the life's great. And, and the devil's just been holding back. And all of a sudden, then he's strategizing. And it doesn't just come with one thing. It comes with several things at one time, hitting them from different angles. And all of a sudden, they feel this strong, strong temptation to go back into the drugs. And they give in. Because what? They got they surprised them. And the devil's very, very crafty on that type of thing. You know, uh, with me in the mornings, it's kind of funny. Well, not funny, but it's kind of interesting. Thoughts will pop into my mind just like yours as well. We have tens of thousands of them a day, amen? And so a pop, thought will pop into your mind and, and uh, often it's not good. It, and it's a worrisome thought, a thought of, you know, something negative. And it can be thought, I've had where it's just sitting there, I wake up and all of a sudden something that somebody did to me 20 years ago and I get irritated. I'm like, where did that even come from? <laughs> yeah, I, don't, I haven't been thinking about that person at all. I hadn't seen the person. Where did that even come from out of the blue? And it seems like the devil's fishing. He goes, can I get you to go down this trail? If you refuse to go down that trail, well, let me try another thing. It's like they just, it's like they're going to keep trying, shooting these arrows, trying to get you to go down the wrong trail. And let me tell you, let me tell you, uh, some people say, I can't help what I think about. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Uh, it's kind of like the proverbial bird over the head. You know, you can't help it if a bird flies over your head, but you don't have to let them build a nest in your hair. Amen. Now, Tony doesn't have to worry about that. But don't have to go down that trail. Amen. You don't have to go down that trail. And it's best if you actively choose to get before you even get out of bed. Now, my, my, my life, when I wake up, my routine is I go and do my quiet time in the word, in prayer, try to live out what I preach. And, uh, but even before I get up there, I'm just going to lay there for a while. I can start having these other thoughts. And so a wonderful thing to do that I learned with Rick Warren and the last prayer course we did, a wonderful thing. Don't, I'm not as good as I should be on that. Uh, but when I do it, it makes a difference is right when you wake up, start giving thanks to God. 
Choose to give thanks to God for some things in your life. And not the same things every day. Mix it up. All the different things he's done in your life, is doing in your life, who you are in Christ Jesus, different things. And start praising. Start the, man, life is so much better if you start that way, actively thinking those things. Let me tell you, because remember the mind. A mind in neutral, a mind that's idle, oftentimes will what? Go the wrong direction. It'll go downhill. Uh, I remember this seminary, very practical advice, uh, that a car in neutral on a, on a hill, where does it go? Up or down? Amen. It naturally goes down. A mind in neutral has a tendency to do what? Go towards something negative. Just that a worry, something negative, some concern. It has that tendency to do that. And, uh, and so guess what? The, again, the mind's like that. And guess who probably helped push it a little bit downhill as well? Satan and his forces as well. So you have to actively choose. You have to choose to start thinking good things. Amen? You have to choose to do that. And when you do that, that's when you can start having victory. So, Pastor, what will we choose to think about? Philippians 4, 8 tells us this. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, what? Think on, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do in the God of peace be with you. There's a lot of truth. An idle mind is what? The devil's workshop. Idle mind is the devil's work. There's a lot of truth there. A lot of truth. You need to actively, actively choose to think good things. Now, also Proverbs 30, verse 5 says this. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. Faith is running to God for refuge. As John Stott, great teacher said, it is by faith that we flee to him for refuge. For faith takes hold of the promises of God in times of doubt and depression. And faith takes hold of the power of God times of temptation. Faith in God has brought us salvation. Amen. Faith in Jesus Christ has brought us salvation. And now it keeps us, what? As the identity attacks us with those arrows. His truths not only deflect, but extinguish the lies of the evil one. So we need to what? Trust in the character of God and his word. That's the basis for overcoming every sort of sin that there is. I like what one said. All sin comes when the victim falls, excuse me, falls to Satan's lies and promises of pleasure, rejecting the better choice of blessing and obedience. Faith is trusting what God's way is what? The best way. Anybody believe that today? God's way is the best way? Then why don't we always choose it? Huh? Why don't we always choose it? God's way is the best. Is it always the easiest way? Often not, is it? Often the harder way. Is it always the most comfortable way? Not always. Often, sometimes more uncomfortable way. Is it even always the safest way? Not necessarily. But it's always what? The best way. Amen? Always the best way. Now, uh, I mean, arrows of the evil one. The shield of faith. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9 tells us this. 1 Peter 5. I'm going to skip the couple. 1 Peter 5, 8 and 9. Be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary the devil walks around like a roaring seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. 
The shield of faith, as one said, is the quick application of what we believe as an answer to everything the devil hurls at us. You know, as I was going through this, I was thinking how many Christian young men and women's lives, their, their, their faith has been in a sense shattered when they go to college. They'll go to a secular college and, and uh, what kind of errors did they receive there? The professor shooting down their Christianity, shooting down their beliefs, targeting maybe even, making fun of them maybe even at times. What? And it shatters them. A lot of them, it shatters them. And other students as well, teasing them for when they're trying to stand in their Christian faith. These arrows being shot at them. And, uh, and so they're having these doubts because this is the person they're looking at. This is the person of authority. And it's hard to debate with them. And what do they do with those doubts? What do they do with those doubts? They take them to Jesus. Amen. Take those doubts to Jesus. Take those questions to Jesus. Take up the shield of faith. Go into him. Take him to the Lord. Go to Jesus as your refuge. Let me tell you, parents, grandparents, when your child comes to you and they have a question about Christianity, about whether, how do we know, give an example, how do we know the Bible is God's word? And so, well, you're just supposed to believe. You're just supposed to believe. That's not that great of an answer, okay? That's not that, or, or maybe, well, don't think about things like that. Just don't, just don't think about that. Don't do that to them. Don't do that to them. What? Seek to give an answer to them. Seek to give. And let me tell you, faith is not shoving down doubts. Amen? That's not, shut, that's not faith. Faith is what? Whenever you have an honest question, you go to the Lord knowing he's an awesome God. That he doesn't mind honest questions. Go and talk to him. Say, Lord, I've been wondering. This says this and this says this. I'm struggling with that a little bit. Help me with that. I've seen him answer hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of my questions like that. He's a wonderful God like that. And that can strengthen your faith when you go through things like that. I had a guy recently that I met with, a young man, and he had some issues uh, going through a tough time. And I was wondering about the Lord having doubts. And he wanted his questions. How do we know it's truly the word of God, not just the word of man? And so we talked for a while and, uh, and, uh, and went through some things. But I said, I'll tell you what, I got some couple of books that and he had some other issues as well. Gave him those books. And I said, here, and I was hoping he'd read them. One was real thick and I was hoping he was going to read them. But praise God, several months later, just the other day, I got a text from him saying, John, Pastor John, I just want to thank you so much. It's helped me so much. And he's gone. He had questions. Amen went and tried to get answers to the questions and now what his faith has been strengthened he's stronger than than he ever was before now in terms of these arrows how much faith is needed pastor it must take a lot of faith to overcome the demons and, and the devil and so forth well jesus said no matthew 17 20 jesus said to his disciples because of your unbelief in fact let me get the setting the di disciples who had delivered people from demons in this particular case, couldn't deliver this boy from demons. And so Jesus comes along, he's able to deliver him. And they're wondering, why couldn't we deliver him? This is Jesus' response. Jesus said, because you're unbelief. Assuredly, I said to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. So when it comes to demons, what? Handling them? All it takes is just a little bit of faith. Faith is a mustard seed. And we can what? Deal with them very, very easily. In fact, even if Satan himself was to come and what? Attack you personally with his arrows, the great debater that he is, the mind that he has. Even if he was to come, don't worry. Why do we need not worry? Even if he came, he's the one who personally came to you. We said he probably is not going to come to any of us. Amen. Around 7 billion people in the world, he ain't got time for us. He's not omnipresent. Amen. But if he was, we don't have to worry. Why? First, 
4, 4 says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in the, you is greater than what? He who is in the world. Remember, folks, when it comes to faith, it's not so much faith itself that's so important. It's who your faith is in. Amen? Or what your faith is in. It's the object of faith that's more important than the actual faith. A lot of times people seem they have, you just got to have what? Faith. Just gotta, it's kind of like they have faith in faith. What's that going to do? Faith in faith. Uh-uh. It's who your faith is in. That's what's important. Who your faith is in. Because your faith is in some tree. Somebody out there that worship nature and they're worshiping some tree or something. And people do stupid stuff like that. What is that? What's that going to do? That's not going to do anything. Might give you a little good feeling, I guess. But that's not going to do anything. What is who your faith is in. That's what's important. And your faith needs to be, of course, in God. In God. Romans, Psalm 46, 1 tells us, God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. I encourage you to memorize that one and memorize the rest of that psalm as well. God told Abraham, Abraham was getting discouraged because he had a child that God promised he was going to give him a child, but he had waited and he waited and he waited. Genesis 15, 1, God comes to them and says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision saying, do not be afraid, Abraham, I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. God is his shield, our shield as well. Proverbs 18, 10 tells us this, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. Hebrews 4.16 tells us this. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may gain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What's the definition of faith? True believing. But not truly believing, but acting on what you say you believe. Acting on what you say you believe. Faith is not so much a feeling. Feeling, excuse me, faith has to do with action. It has to do with action. Your feet, as one said, your feet's movement reveal your faith. Your feet's movement reveal your faith. That's why it says we walk by faith, amen? We walk by faith. Anybody know where the Hall of Fame of Faith is? I think one of those Hall of Fames, I think it's pro football, is it Canton, Ohio? I think that's right. Where's the Hall of Fame of Faith? Might want to look at it, Hebrews chapter 11. Amen. Hall of Fame of Faith. You're starting to see the names of Abraham, uh, Moses, uh, Noah, and, uh, and then as well you see uh, Enoch who got, he didn't even die. It's just too much faith. God took him on to heaven with him. He didn't even have to die. And others, give, they, they don't give names in the Hall of Fame of Faith, but you know what they do, Jeff? The actions they took. Tell us about the actions they took. Not the feelings they felt. Often people think it's faith is feelings. No, it's all about the actions they took. That's when they were in the hall of fame of faith. Say, so you don't have to guess whether or not you got faith. You don't have to guess about that. Look at your feet. Look at your feet. Where are they moving? That shows whether or not you have faith. Look at the movement of your feet. True faith is shown by action. And get this, God responds to faith. Therefore, he responds to your action. When Moses was at the Red Sea, here are the Israelites. They're boxed in. They're, they're at the Red Sea. And the Egyptian armors headed their way. This huge armies headed their way to get them. And they're all sitting there. And Moses is crying out to the Lord. And in a sense, God says, Moses, stop your whining and lift your rod. <laughs> lift your staff. 
And so Moses, okay, he lifts his staff. What happens? God divides the Red Sea. They go over on dry land. He responds what? To the action that Moses took in obedience. And God what? Great miracle in history. And years later, Moses has passed away. Joshua goes into the promised land. They cross the Jordan at flood stage. And then what they get over, and the first place they're going to take is Jericho. Impenetrable, known to be impenetrable, though a fortress. There's no way they, they could, in that time, thought that that city could ever be taken. Walls were so thick. But with God, anything's possible. But they didn't just sit there and pray and go, okay, Lord, please take these walls down and just sit there and wait. God said, no, what? You march around this Jericho one time each day for six days. The seventh day, you walk around it seven times. Blow the trumpet, scream, yell, and what will happen? Then the city will be yours. They do that. What They act on what God says, the action, and what happens? The walls come tumbling down, and then they take the city with ease. You know, I love it. I love it. Remember David and Goliath talked about that a little bit last week. The great giant, nine foot, six inches tall, Goliath. Great warrior. Here's a little old David, maybe 15 years old, 16. We don't know for sure. Just sitting there, has some stones and a little sling. And, and he's sitting there ready to take on Goliath. And you talk about faith, amen? Boy, do you have faith. But you know what showed his faith to you? I love this. When it came time to battle, sitting there chewing at each other, mouthing at each other. All of a sudden, when it came time for the action, what happens in 1 Samuel 17, 48? It says this. So it was when the Philistine Goliath arose and crew came and drew near to meet David, that David did what? Kind of stood and waited on him? What did he do? He hurried. He ran. He ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. The movement of feet showed what? His faith. Amen. He ran towards Goliath. It can be at times. It can be at times we're waiting on God. And yes, there's times where we need just to wait on God. Amen. There are times we need to wait on God. But there can be at times we're waiting on God when God is waiting on you to demonstrate your faith. And that's why you don't see him moving. He's waiting on you to demonstrate your faith by your movement. You know, I was thinking about that this week and how true that is in my life. Uh, especially in the area of giving. Uh, I've shared before I got saved, I loved money. I really did. Uh, that was, in a sense, my God to some degree. And uh, I came to know the Lord, and the Lord targeted that quick. Uh, of course, you hear about tithing pretty quick in a Baptist church, usually. And so I started hearing about 10%. I'm like, woo, that's a lot. But I went ahead and did it. And, uh, but then the Lord, wasn't, it, it, I don't know, he did this to me. I don't see him do it to other people, but he did it to me. He started bringing me up to higher levels of giving. I don't know if it's to break that hold that money had on me to go up higher levels of giving. Maybe so. Uh, and so uh, we take go up to higher levels of giving. It wasn't that hard being an engineer. And, but then, lo and behold, uh, <laughs> one year at a certain level, I won't tell you what it was, and, uh, but a certain level percentage that I was going to be given that year and everything was going fine. All of a sudden, Dar decides she wants to quit work and go back and get uh, certified in another area of counseling. And, uh, and I was like, huh, you know, with that money gone, a uh, third of our salary, I, I don't know how we're going to do that with this amount that I'm giving. And so what did I do? I jumped back to the tithe. Amen. <laughs> and I said, but Lord, if you want me to give that thing I thought about doing that I was going to be doing, show me. And uh, so lo and behold, guess what? By the end of the year, he showed me. 
So I made sure I did what the Lord told me to do. And guess what? God came through in amazing ways in terms of finance. Absolutely. I won't get into it. Amazing ways. He showed himself in amazing What when I acted on it. Amen? I acted on it. That just set the stage to prepare me when I left Sandy Cooper. When I left Sandy Cooper, we go in the middle, what, two-thirds of our salary gone with me going into the ministry. And then, what, thousands going out for seminary on top of that. And by that time, I'd gotten up to even higher levels of giving. And so when I leave there, I said, surely I need to go back to the tithe this time. Because you look at the budget, it'd be stupid. I mean, ridiculous from a, just a looking at it view. It's just, there's no way that I could give that percentage and do what I'm doing now with two-thirds of our salary gone and thousands going out for seminary. Just didn't make any sense. But I said, but, Lord, if you still want me to do that, I'll do that. And a number of months went by, and we're starting to struggle a little bit in finance. I'm on tithe. I'm still tithing. And then, lo and behold, the Lord very clearly showed me I was supposed to go ahead and do what I did before, had, had been doing. And let me tell you, folks, let me tell you, folks, after I did that, I went ahead and acted on it. After I did, it was absolutely amazing, amazing. Uh, God, I never had to pay for any more seminary, the rest of seminary. Didn't have to, in fact, I had to turn away money. I started having money come in. They asked me to come here to preach here, asked me to be interim. It's just, it wasn't me trying to find anything. Just, it's just one thing after another. God just, when I acted on it, amen. God was waiting for me to act in faith. Faith is an action, and God came through in amazing ways. You know, 1 John 5, 4 tells us this. Whatever is born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. I think of another verse. According to our faith, will it be done unto us? You don't like what's being done? According to our faith, be it done unto us. You know, we may at times say, Lord, and you're going through especially fiery trials. And we all go, if you're not going through a trial, just wait. Just wait a little while. I'm sorry. Uh, just wait a little while. You will be going through a trial. And sometimes people are going through really, really tough trials. And I've been through some tough ones, but some far tougher than me. And I know that. And, and the thing is, sometimes those fiery trials can keep going and, and going. And, and it's not so much the trial itself, but it, that it just keeps extending and extending. And over time, it just gets so tiring. And, and maybe it looks like it's going to be a break in it. And, you're gonna and then it doesn't come through. In fact, it gets worse. And the doubts come. And, and it can be those doubts. That's where Satan comes in with those doubts and those fiery darts. And, and sitting there and, oh, and, and I just feel for those people. And sometimes we say, Lord, where are you at? And I can understand, Lord, where are you at? What in the world's going on, Lord? I know you love me. That's what your word says, and I believe it. But, Lord, what in the world's going on? Where are you at? And can hear God possibly say, according to his word, I know I'll say, I'm right here. I'm always in. I'm always right here with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm right here with you step by step. But I do want to ask a question to you. Where is your faith? Where is your faith? It tells us in James 1, 2, my brethren count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Count it all joy when you encounter various trials. I tell you, a great action of faith is when you're going through extremely hard times. I mean, it can be extremely hard. And go ahead and take the action of what? Giving thanks and praise, counting it pure joy. Amen, that's an act of the will. But you act on it. 
Start praising him. Start thanking him. It tells us in Psalm 151. says what? Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty firmament. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with a lute and harp. Praise him with a timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and flutes. Praise him with loud cymbals. Praise Him with clashing cymbals. Let everything that have breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. If you're going through a hard time today, will you not what, take that action of faith and start praising the Lord, thanking the Lord, counting it joy even as you go through these various, various trials. The Lord will bless you if you do. Amen. You take that step. You take that action of faith. And the Lord, I guarantee you, will bless you.